Turn in your Bibles this morning with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to begin with verse number 3. And then we're going to skip to verse 12. But I'll tell you when we're skipping so you'll be all right. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're there, say amen. Then would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? Lord, thank you for every little voice over there that's excited and is going to hear the life-changing message of Christ today. Verse 3. Paul writing to the church at Corinth and he said, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching and your faith is also in vain. Yea, and we are also found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ is not raised, listen, your faith is in vain and you are still in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Because if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all people most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and he has become the first fruits of all those that have slept or that have died. For since by man death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. And I would invite you please to... Uh, pray with me as I pray for myself this morning. Um, Josh, if you'd turn me down just a touch, buddy, I'd appreciate it. Father God, I just humble myself before you today. And I thank you for the opportunity that's mine to preach the riches of your word. I reject any leaning upon flesh or supposed intellect or study. And I'm asking for your anointing, O oh Lord. Your anointing on my words and my countenance, everything from the inflection to how I say what I say and when I say it. May truth come forward. May it be like water finding the lowest spot in our hearts. And may Jesus be accurately proclaimed in the power of his spirit. And may our lives ever be changed by that word. Is not your word like as a fire, Lord, and like the hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? 
And I pray that that word would burn up the things in our life that aren't necessary and break the hard things in our life that we might be tender before you. And I ask you for it today, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Christ, the one and only, none before him, none alongside him, and none after him. It's the, thing, it's the thing that separates Christianity from all the major religions on the face of the earth. The most verified book in the history of the world with thousands of prophecies foretelling the coming of the Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and then Christ the judge. And what I want to do this morning is give information to those that may not know or may not believe and then stir up appreciation in those that know and have forgotten and those that know and have pushed Christ off to the side or, or uh, negated him to a place of inferiority. It's a greater sin to know and not give the reverence than not to know at all. Christ, the one and only. And I want to just take two areas. won't keep you long this morning. We'll be able to beat all the Baptists and Methodists to the cafeteria. I'm going to let you out on time. Because there are going to be lines everywhere you go, baby. Lines everywhere. I want to talk to you about the Christ foreshadowed in the Old Testament. And then Christ revealed in the New Testament. Christ foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Foretold. And Christ revealed in the New Testament. Everything that's written in the Bible, historical, doctrinal, is not about what's available to you, but it's about the revealing of who Christ is. Now, there are things available to us in that revealing, but everything originates with, continues by, and culminates with Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Jesus had said when he walked the face of the earth, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And all the things in the Old Testament pointed, pointed to him to come. And when he came, he said, I am those things that you saw. And he revealed them. And let me give you just a couple this morning. He is the covering for our nakedness. When Adam and Eve sinned and partook of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, the first thing they did was they hid themselves. And he heard God walking in the cool of the day. And he said, Adam, where are you? Well, God knew where Adam was, but Adam didn't know where Adam was. Where are you, Adam? He's looking at him. He said, I hid myself because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Well, the woman you gave me. <laughs> That's just like all of us, isn't it? Yeah, what happened? She gave me this fruit. And Adam was more severely rebuked because Eve was deceived. But Adam wasn't. He chose someone else over God. And so God said, who told you you were naked? And he said, Though I partook of the fruit we did. And I, I, I sensed my shame and my nakedness. And they had covered themselves with these leaves. And, uh, you know, I've heard commentators say it was a strand of fig leaves. And, you know, and uh, some have said it was other type of foliage. None of it sounds good. And I know it ain't comfortable. 
And did you know our churches are filled today? Churches are filled with people who have covered themselves with everything from good works to I'm a good daddy to I do right by my neighbor. But that doesn't cover your nakedness. And anything that you've strung together does not clear the conscience. Adam said, I hid myself. He's covered with fig leaves. He's covered with foliage. And God said, no, this is not going to be adequate enough. And the first, one of the first shadows of the Christ to come is he covered them in animal skins. God did. So he killed a sacrifice. Someone died and became naked so they could be covered. And they put, he put these skins on them. So here's the skin next to their skin. And here's the hair on the outside uh, and the covering. What was on the underside? Residue of blood. And God from the beginning said, your efforts at clothing yourself, clothing, covering your own nakedness is not going to work. Only the covering I give you will eliminate the shame because the nakedness comes from your sin but the, the sense of forgiveness and the clear conscience only comes if you put on what I give you. So the issue is not are you covered, it's what are you covered by. Also in the Old Testament, there was the story of Noah's Ark. It, this is our uh, escape from the judgment of the whole world. And he, you know the whole story, and I'm not going to get into all of it. But there's one part of it that I, I want to just draw out. When Noah built it according to the dimensions that God told him, and I pitched it, the Bible said, within and without with pitch. So here's this wood, not digitally cut to the exact measurements. Handmade, the wood stuck together, but on the inside, within and without, he covered it with pitch. It's a type of thick resin glue. You don't want it in your hair, is what I'm telling you. You don't want any of that. And it's just slopped on all the seams. And when it dries, it makes it watertight. In, within and without with pitch. That word pitch in the Old Testament, one of the translations for it is atonement. So within and without... The atonement, the, the Christ, the, a type of Christ being our atonement. It keeps what comes upon the world out of our life, out of our vessel. We navigate all the worst the world will experience, not because we're master boat builders, but because the secret ingredient that keeps the world out of us was provided for and it's the same thing in the spiritual as it was in the natural. Pitch, the atonement, keep, the pitch kept it out of the boat and the atonement keeps it out of us. He is the blood on the doorpost. Another shadow is when the Israelites were living with the Egyptians and God was coming to judge the Egyptians for not letting his people go. And he said, tell Pharaoh that I'm going to send the death angel through the, through the camp. And every firstborn uh, among Every family, every living person is going to be slain. But to the Israelites, he said, and I'm looking at the fathers here. He said, every man prepare a lamb for him, his family. Now, my lamb does not save my child. But if they 
are under my roof. And they agree with the preparation I've made. Then judgment has stayed. So every man had to get a lamb. And he would get the, the, a flawless lamb. And he would kill it in front of the family. And he would take the blood. And he would put it along the doorpost of his house. And when the death angel came through. God said when the death angel comes through. When I see the blood I'll pass over you. I'll pass over you. I couldn't decide to kill a goat. I couldn't decide to kill a cow. I couldn't decide to decorate and say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. There was one thing that would cover our nakedness. There was one thing that would keep us from the judgment of the world. There was one thing that would, would keep the death angel from going through my house and killing us. And if there's a son or a daughter in the house, when this man prepared his house and put the blood on the door, the only way that that child is safe is that if that child chooses to stay under that canopy with that door shut. That's where the scripture, you can be saved, and your house. Everyone that accepts what the father and mother teaches according to the scripture will receive that same salvation. If they went outside of that house, then judgment fell upon them. So see, God doesn't pass over me because I'm a pastor. God doesn't pass over me because I go to church. Or God doesn't pass over me for anything except when he goes by me, he sees on the doorpost of my heart, my hope, O oh Lord, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. Come on, babies, get inside shut the door. On Christ. The solid rock I stand. All other hope, all other systems, all other people, all other religions are sinking sand. And when the wailing was heard throughout the land and there were children and elderly people and handicapped and those uh, in the home of all types. Daddy, daddy, what's that? You're okay, baby. The door is shut and the blood's on the sill. The door is shut and the blood is on the sill. And not one person under the blood died. One of the greatest tragedies in eternity is going to be the people that were raised in Christian homes and pastors' homes that for whatever reason, and I fell in that category, I'm not picking at you, for whatever reason, you open a door and you walk out and shut it. There was a place of security and the world's taking this violin and playing you this beautiful song. And, oh, God's just trying to keep you down. And you're not having the fun you want. You're not free. You don't have liberty. And he gets you outside the house. And when the death angel comes, he beats your brains out with that violin. And the devil looks at you and goes, fool. We're not hoping in effort. We're hoping that the one, see, the one that's doing the judging tells us how to escape the judgment. We don't get to pick. All right, y'all are just staring at me this morning. Let me, give, let me give you an example closer to home. You tell your baby, this is the only way I'm not going to whip you from one end of the house to the other. Okay, okay. What, what, if, what if I shut your mouth? Stop, stop! Did you do what I told you? No, what I did do, mm, clean your room or die. That's, that's what the options do. That's the options. Darling? You know, and then the boys start bowing up. He's like 13, 14. Who says? And see, let me just tell you something, young man. You may be physically bigger than your daddy. 
You may be stronger than your daddy, but you ain't smart as your daddy. Your daddy got tricks. He hit you with a lamp. He, you know, daddy. <laughs> daddy's got Anyway. If you do what I tell you, and only the rebellious heart pushes. Now, my mom's on the front row. I have to be very selective, but I caused most all my misfortune. I remember one time she was telling me something. She goes, you will shut up. You will stop running your mouth. Or we don't say shut up. We did. You will stop. And I was like, Mama. She goes, okay, you're grounded. Make it three days. All right, three days. I'm like, make it a week. I'm strong now. Like, all right, a week, two. Come on, Mama, you got it in you. Come on, come on. At about a month and a half, I went, you're an idiot. Stop. Just stop. No, we didn't leave the house. I had cobwebs running from this head to the pillar. You did not leave the house. And all you had to do, and we see it in children, but we don't see it in us. And God tells you, you must humble yourself. You must repent. You must stay under the blood, the doorpost. And we say, no, what I'm going to do is, and think we're not going to pay the tap. We see it in our children, but we don't see it in us as adults. The only way to escape the judgment that God gives is to take the substitute that God allows. That's it. And the, Thank you very much. He's the sin-carrying scapegoat. We hear the word scapegoat like, oh, he was just a scapegoat. They threw everything on him. In the Old Testament, before Christ came, they would take a goat. And the priest, once a year, would go and put his hands upon the goat. And he would pray for the, the, the nation of Israel. And he would lay his hands and pray and repent of their sins. He would repent of all their sins. And they would drive the goat out into the wilderness. Symbolic of Christ carrying away the sins for us. So see, all the stories, you know, David killing Goliath. It wasn't about a man killing a giant. It's about Christ coming and killing uh, the, the, the stronghold of sin and death in our life and becoming the victorious. That's why he's the king in the line of David. He's the king of kings, lord of lords. And he's the blood on the mercy seat. And once a year, the high priest would take the blood of a spotless lamb. Not a flaw, not a blemish. And I'm not being... Uh, uh, Irreverent, not a hangnail, nothing, perfect. And he would take the blood into the mercy seat in the tabernacle and once a year place it upon the mercy seat. And if God accepted, it meant that for one year I will not judge you. That's why every year for thousands of years, every year for thousands, 2,000 years at least there, uh, or since the law was instituted, I'm sorry, the, the, the priest would go in once a year and God would postpone the judgment. But when Christ died, the veil that separated the holiest of holies from the holy place was ripped from top to bottom. He said, no priest got to go in here ever again. That was the fullness. Now, I got ahead of myself. Very quickly, let me give you the New Testament. Christ foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Christ revealed in the New Testament. He was the spotless lamb. Born of a virgin. That's why not only did it have to fulfill scripture, born of a virgin, but it, he had to not come from man because by man, sin entered into the world. And when Adam and Eve had their first son, that same nakedness, that defilement, that dead spirit was passed on and passed on. So it was imperative that Mary not be with the man because the man would pass on the sin genome because the, the, the life is in the blood, and the man provides the blood, the woman provides the egg. 
And so when Mary the virgin was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, they bypassed the blood of sinful man and was born a spotless God-man. And he was without sin. It was imperative that he not be of the line of Adam. He was not the first Adam. He was the last Adam. And we get our lineage not just from the earthly one, but we who are born again now receive our new birth from the last Adam. He was God's lamb. Not just the spotless lamb, but God's lamb. And the voice from heaven spoke this, uh, I'm sorry, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. I indeed baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's not just a lamb. That's not one of many lambs. That's not one of other approaches. That's the Lamb of God. The priest in the Old Testament picked the Lamb. But in the New Testament, God the Father picked the Lamb. And there is no other Lamb. There is no other approach. There is no other way. There is no other name. There is no other sacrifice. To, to stay the judgment of God, the sacrifice must be acceptable to God. And he provides the one that is acceptable. And every other effort is fig leaves. It's unacceptable. Well, I don't like that. Of course we don't. Our pride wants to take part in our salvation. You don't have a part. We don't have a part. We have nothing to offer. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We are, we're, judgment hangs over our head. Unless there's a lamb. And unless that lamb was spotless. And unless that lamb was God's lamb. And figuratively, instead of a doorpost, John, how do you hope not to be judged? The lamb. The lamb. He said it's finished. It's paid in full. God's lamb. The acceptable lamb. Christ was the son of man in the New Testament. For this reason was the son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Christianity is not about coming down an aisle shaking a preacher's hand. You might as well shake a donkey's tail. It does you the same good. It's the receptivity of God's spirit. And God is not looking for people that will mentally acknowledge that he exists. I believe in God. That's not belief. The devil believes in God, but he's not saved. It's not a mental ascent. It's a firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our lives. That's the belief that we need. And when we believe, the evidence is the sin-destroying power of God. The desire to live right. We're not perfect, but our heart is perfect. And he said, the Son of Man has been, uh, for this reason I manifested. I'm going to destroy the works of the devil as I walk the earth. And when my spirit comes in you, you're going to walk out of things. Walk out of it. Walk over. Walk through. You'll be an overcomer. And don't tell me you're a believer when sin reigns rampantly. And you say, well, God understands. No. He does. How can I have Christ in me and my life not look like Christ is in me? He comes to destroy the works of the devil. 
is the Son of God. We heard God's voice say, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He was the sin carrier. Hebrews 13, 12, where Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. So picture this morning with me, Christ beaten to the point where no one could recognize him. They've stripped him naked. They have uh, put a crown of thorns on his head and pushed it into his scalp. And if you've ever just even nicked your head, you know, the blood runs profusely. And it looked like rain coming out of his head. And one thing symbolically, many of you know this, some may not. Don't lose sight of the fact that they were thorns. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, Cursed is the world, and thorns and thistles will it bring. And they put that crown of thorns on my Savior's head and pushed it in. And he lifted the curse up off this world. And those that are in him are not under that curse anymore. Now, amen. But then, but then watch. They led him out of town. Up the Via Della Rosa. And here he is with barely his private covered. His back is ribbons of flesh. He's toting an extremely heavy, rugged, splintered cross. And the moment it just touches, touches, long before the splinters go through the flesh. Great pain. And he's, the Bible said he suffered without the gate. They led him out of town. There goes the scapegoat. Out of town. So everything that was foretold, here he comes. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. And he's the scapegoat. And he's carrying our sins away. Because they would. that priest would pray over the goat and they would drive him out in the wilderness. And he would take off, symbolic of all their sins being carried away. It's not just that my sins were forgiven. They're gone. I can't see them anymore. I remember what I did, but God doesn't. Well, God can't forget. No, he's om om omniscient. He can't forget, but he'll, he chooses not to ever bring it up again. And he, when Christ went to the hill, he, I'm so undeserved to even say it. Could it be that someone like me could walk up to his head and say, Take my sin away. And he take it away. Christ, the one and the only. Christ, the substitute. And about the ninth hour, Jesus Christ cried with a loud voice, saying, Alai, alai, lama sabachthani, which is to say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So here he is on the cross. He's the scapegoat. And see how the types just blend in, bleed into one another? It's one, then the other, while they're all being the same at the same time. So he's on the cross, and all of a sudden, here's Jesus who has open heavens. The Father's speaking. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why have you left me? It was in that moment that he became my sin. And this is the evidence of our fallen nature and all of the, the, the filth of our flesh. 
When he became me, God turned his back on him. Don't feel sorry for him. That's what he came to do. He let God turn his back on him so that me being in him, God would turn his face toward me. Do you see? I heard a preacher uh, uh, online the other day said that God did not reject Christ. I'm thinking, he said, God did not reject Christ and he won't reject you. I'm like, what Bible are you reading? Jesus, are we in agreement Christ didn't lie? He said, you forsake, why have you forsaken me? Well, John, if he was God, didn't he know why? That was the man. He was both God and man. That man part was aware that that transfer had taken place. And my hope and my assurance that God looks at me now is that he turned away from him then. Christ, the one and only. He was forsaken that I could be accepted. He was naked that I would be clothed. You see? He was poor that I could be made rich. He died that I might live. He went into hell that I might go into heaven. You see? Christ the substitute. Christ the only way. Ben, if you would come this morning, please. Christ the only way. Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other. Listen, I purposefully stopping early so I can read these things to you and just talk to you from my heart. Well, I've been talking to you from my heart, but I want to summarize this. Summarize this. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no hybrid gospel. There's no mixture. If the lamb had to be spotless in the Old Testament, not a flaw. Not a, not a deformity in the eye, nothing flawless. They would check, they would check, they would check. Once it was nicked, it was no good. Once it touched a dead thing, it was no good. So if the blood from that lamb touched a man's hand, it's no good. Because the man was defiled. When you touch any part of the blood of Christ being offered to God on your behalf. I'm going to add my good works to it. Defiled. Well, I'm, 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 uh, it's going to church. Defiled. Well, I'm going to ride a 10 speed for two years. Defiled. Well, I'm going to burn a candle and pray to a dead saint. Defiled. You can't touch it. It's perfect. Leave it alone. It stands by itself. We are forgiven because Christ in the New Testament was not just the offerer. He was the offering. And he's in God accepting the offering. John, anything else but me? Well, I am a good boy. That's why narrow is the way to life and few there be that find it. Our churches are full. They're just not full of Christians. I'm telling you. Because in their mind, there's a part of them that's worthy. And the Bible said there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's either a spotless lamb or it's not. It's either Christ alone or it's not. There's no religion. There's no, you can't do anything 
Well, John, it's the water I'm baptized in. No, 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 no. It's the blood. And it has to be God's blood. It has to be the one he accepts. And faith in that is how we receive this grace. Listen, Jesus said, I am the way. Not a way. Not one of many ways. Not part of the way. I'm it. I'm the truth. I'm not some of the truth. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And no man can come to God but by me. Well, I don't believe in just Jesus and I'm saved. No, you're not. And you can be mad with me. Listen, I have no credentials to speak to you. I'm just a mailman. I'm just telling you. Well, all of us believe that I'm saved. Well, all of us are wrong. It, it doesn't matter. The, the scripture, the most preserved book, says he's the way. He's the truth. He's his life. No one can come to God but by him. He that believeth on the Son hath life, everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Oprah and the world and television will tell you God is too loving that he, he would judge. The Bible says the wrath of God abideth on, on them. Well, that God wouldn't do that. For if God spared not the world, destroyed the world, except for those in the ark, behind the pitch and God destroyed the firstborn except for the ones under the blood and God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah except for Lot who he pulled out but God's going to spare me because I have some alternative plan or some arrogance that says I don't deserve to be judged he destroyed the world he destroyed the world and that's the final point. It's kind of heavy, but I, I, I must give it to you. He's Christ the judge. Revelations 20. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for people. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And everyone was judged according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the last chapter, guys. This is the last hour. No proud person makes it into heaven. No person that esteems their wisdom higher than the wisdom of God makes it in heaven. No person that won't humble themselves. One way, one path, one name, one salvation. Christ, the one and only. Now, I saved the last little bit for last. So Pastor John, Resurrection Sunday, what's that to do with resurrection? Here we are. Well, you have to have all that first. So when Christ died, first of all, having nailed the handwriting of ordinances which were against us, all the word that we couldn't fulfill in our flesh, his body, he nailed the word to the tree, paid for it. And by identifying with our sin, he gave us the opportunity to identify with him. So when Christ died, I died. And when he got up, I got up in the newness of life. So the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. So however it happens, one at a time, in mass, uh, intermittent, I don't know. I'm going to stand before the Lord one day. I'm going to. And Jeff, what if they call your name? John Wood, front and center. I'm thinking of failures, shortcomings, sins, lies, immorality, fornication, adult, all those, every sin that could, I could have been a part of. That's my old man. John Wood, how do you plead? Guilty as charged. And then Christ comes up and says, John, I meant, Father, this is John. I died for him. Is that true, boy? And here it is. Would you like to add anything to what Christ did? No, sir. He's the one and only. You are forgiven. Free. Free to go. And in heaven, the glorified Christ intentionally keeps his scars for eternity. So we'll literally get to put our hand in his hand. Is that where, Lord? Yeah. So the death was for my sins, so I wouldn't be judged. But that would have just left me annihilated, just dead, no judgment. But the resurrection went a step further. Not only am I not going to judge you, I'm going to give you eternal life. Does that just beat all you've ever heard? Not only you don't get no hell. I'd been satisfied, just leave me in the ground and don't suffer. Oh, no, 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 John, no. Because I got up, you got up with me. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. Would you guys give me three minutes and I'll be done. Several years ago, true story, I forgot which major publication it was, but something, some national newspaper or media, there was a gentleman that died, self-made multimillionaire, multi-multimillionaire. So he was very organized, very uh, systematic, very thorough, and he died without a will, and his wife and children could not believe it because daddy was, you know, all dotted I's, crossed T's, he was thorough, couldn't find a will. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this, I hope you don't, but in a family when someone dies with money and there's no will the family will fight for possessions at the worst time in the world. But, you know, so the wife had her lawyer. The son got his lawyer. The other son got his lawyer. The daughter got their lawyer. You know the story. So they're sitting in this lawyer's office, and they're veiled fighting, not so much screaming, but the lawyer's fighting for, well, he wants the condos. He wants the stocks and bonds. He wants this part of the business. And in the room was a lady who had been their helper, their servant for years, uh, part of the family. She had rocked those babies a million miles, changed all the diapers. She was like a part of the family, and her arms were folded. And the wife saw her, and she goes, oh. She walked over. She goes, I'm so sorry. And I forgot her name. It might have been Mimi or something along that line. You know, how all of them got Mimi and Mamma and, you know. I said, I'm so sorry. We, we had forgot about you, but you are like family to us. You name it, and you can have it. She said, I don't want your money. All I want is the picture of the boy. So what you didn't know was 
this man who she had served for years and years and years, decades, his firstborn boy died when he was two. And he had other children in the room fighting for his possessions now. But the first boy was it for him. And he had a huge picture in his study. You know those archaic frames? And there was a picture of the son. And she said, all I want is the picture of the boy. And secretly, they were all very happy because that didn't hold monetary value. And she said, oh, you know, false humility. Absolutely. We know how, you know, she rocked him from the womb, you know, right out of the womb. And that was her boy and baby. So they called for one of the help to come over and they got the picture and they spun it around. And on the back of it was an eight and a half by 11 envelope. And the lawyer goes, bring that picture to me. And the son, everybody perking up, you know, business is picking up. And they're like, what, what? And the lawyer starts to get this little chuckle. <laughs> he says, bring that here. And he pulled the envelope off, you know, the kind with a little string and everything and undoes it and unseals it. And he's pulling out pages and smiling. You could have cut it with a chainsaw. It was so thick. And finally, one of the sons, you know, it seemed like forever. It was probably half a minute or a minute. And he, what does it say? Or no, what is it? And he goes, what's your daddy's will? It's in triplicate. It's notarized. It's affixed properly. And there are three witnesses. And the wife goes, you can see the gavel fall. And she goes, what does it say? Oh, it's very simple. It's just one line. He who chooses my son gets it all. And Mimi's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are people in this room. You're at the table at your workplace. And you're fighting over this level of pay and this status and it's not that we're not to work and work hard but that's all you're doing and you 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 feel sorry for us believers sitting over here like this and they said john what you want i just want him because in this life you may have the toys but in the next life he who chooses god's son gets it would you bow your heads with me this morning? God bless you, sir. <laughs> Guys, if you're visiting with us, I give you my word. No one's going to embarrass you. If you need to come make something right with the Lord, need to repent, or Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to believe. Just come on. No one's looking around. Come on. Your heart stirred today. You weren't planning on this. God bless you, buddy, for your honesty. Come on. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Jesus, forgive me. I want you and you only, Lord. People are coming from all over the room. Come on. And while your head's bowed, would you just focus on this one verse? I'm not saying forget what we talked about, but just start over with a clean slate and listen to this. He who comes to me, I will never turn away, the Bible says. I will not reject you. If that's you, come on. Come on, where are you? Come on home. Come on home. 
John, I've never professed faith in Christ, but I believe today. I believe today. If that's you, come on. God bless you. One and only, Lord. God bless you. No one looking around. Give me just a minute more today. You backslid, sir, and you know it. You're not living the faith of your grandparents, your father, your mother. You've fallen far, but you can get up. All you have to do is humble yourself and repent. Where's the backslider? Come on. Come on home. You didn't plan on it. You planned on just checking in and checking out and going to lunch. God bless you, buddy. But I'm coming home, Lord. Your spirit's moving on my heart, and I'm coming home. Where are you? God bless you. Amazing grace. Y'all stand How with us. Sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first. My chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending very last thing before before we're dismissed this morning for those of you that Christ is your one and only there's no other plan there's no other sacrifice I'm asking you I'm asking you 10 minutes today 10 minutes sit somewhere private or go outside private and honestly assess am I giving him Service, affection, attention, commitment that is due a one and only is my response adequate? Is my response emotional? Is my response genuine? 
if it's a one and only, one and only Savior, like one of a kind, it ought to be a one in a kind, one in a million faith. Because can't nobody love him like you. Can't nobody praise him like you. And may your life and this day be filled with the one and only. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. God bless you.